one who has a, a good okay, voice for po- podcasting is him. It's, that's fully. Mine's like the the Weasley okay. whiny voice. See, you know, I was thinking just the opposite when we, I listen back to our episodes. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the Arnard Catcast. This is Ryan, joined by my co-host, Ryan. How are you doing there, Thorny? I am doing well. Yourself? <laughs> Not bad on this dreary night over here in Spokane. Oh, you guys getting the rain as well? We are, you know, just a typical fall Washington day, overcast, rainy, wet, a little chilly, you know, the usual. <laughs> Pretty much here on out for the next couple months, man. <laughs> yep. Awesome. Right on. Well, if you're new to the CatCast, uh, Ryan and I have uh, decided to put together just kind of our thoughts on Montana State football and Montana State in general. Some uh, We've just really been mainly talking about football, but... Uh, we'd like to start all of our podcasts off with kind of what we're drinking tonight. What do you got? What do you got there, Thorny? Uh, tonight I have a Glen Livet Twelve, just nice and neat, no ice, no water, just a little dram, just a little pour. How about yourself? Taking a groove call for for me, the Miller Light tonight. Mm. Good choice. I think Choate would approve. You know, last two weeks I, I visited the Perry Street brewery over here in Spokane and I just didn't get over there this week and so I always have I seem to always have like a six pack of Miller Lite in the fridge or some sort of like like maybe even like a high life and then I have a a beer that my wife will drink as well so she prefers more of the the pale ale the IPA she won't touch my Miller Lite but she doesn't bother bother (laughs) me having it in there anyway so I'm thankful for that. Yeah, I typically have some rolling rock in the fridge. That's kind of my fallback, but I don't even have that right now. Just nice. empty. Well, we kind of have a new little schedule on the show today. We have our first guest. Uh, we're going to play that audio here in a moment. It's uh, from a Bobcat Nation poster, Driscoll Cat. Um, and then after that, we'll probably, would you want to get into the Idaho game just a little bit and maybe some upcoming thoughts on the second half? Yeah, I think we'll just uh, kind of touch on the Idaho game uh, we don't really plan to be experts breaking down previewing games or anything too deep like that but we'll talk about the game and um, if that see how much time left we have and uh, we'll talk about the rest of the season right on why don't we just play that uh, audio now uh, so without further ado here's our first guest Jisco Cat all right time for our first guest on the cat cast um, Thorny uh, you and I have been uh, talking a, a little bit uh, as we've been planning our, this uh, cat cast, uh, how to reach out to some people um, to join us. What were your th- first thoughts on that? Well, my immediate thought, as I think I said, maybe the last episode was maybe we should try for Vim because nobody knows who he is and he <laughs> knows everything about everything. But uh, what do you know? We have a volunteer. <laughs> Even better. Yeah, joining us, uh, our very first guest um, is Shane Driscoll um, from Bobcat Nation. Many of you might recognize him, recognize him as Driscoll Cat. How are you doing, Shane? Good, good. It's good to be here, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for being here. <laughs> what, like, yeah. what kind of made you want to reach out to us and uh, fill this spot for us, bud? Well, you know, I... I 
as you obviously can tell from the boards, I, I really love Bobcat football and I love talking about it. And I, I feel like as much as I'm on the boards, I still don't even get enough of it. And I just, I liked what you guys were doing. Um, it's nice to have a, a fan podcast um, that we have, you know, the, the great stuff that Coulter puts mm-hmm. together. Um, but, you know, it's, it's kind of from the unbiased perspective and he's covering all the other teams and especially the Grizz and stuff like that. But you guys are um, just about the Bobcats and, and uh, I liked what you were doing. And I, I thought it might be nice to jump on and, and just talk with you guys for a bit. Well, I appreciate yeah. that. And uh, I was actually thinking about yeah. that. It's funny you say that because I was thinking about one of the reasons that we might have started the podcast is we're, we, uh, Ryan and I both live in Washington now. And I don't have anyone here to talk Bobcat football with because no one follows the Bobcats out here. Maybe they follow Eastern if you're lucky, but not even that. So I kind of I think that f- this fills the void that we have living outside of Montana, being able to sit here and talk about Bobcat football from a complete fan perspective. Yeah, I totally get that. I lived, um, my, my wife and I lived in Illinois for a few years, a little while back. And the, the cats were like a kind of a connection for me just to, to feel a little bit connected to home. So I, I totally get that. Nice. You know, Thorny for me is kind of just a relief because we don't have to spend hours texting each other, our thoughts anymore. <laughs> we can just, we can just sit and BS for about an hour and get it out in one fell swoop. So <laughs> that's yeah, been a benefit a, for me. <laughs> get a serious case of keyboard thumb, you know. <laughs> uh, so Shane, uh, when we were talking earlier, you had, our, I think, a really interesting uh, question that came up. And you kind of mentioned, you know, is is Chope building a team versus a culture? And I just kind of want to get some, what, what your take was on that. Yeah, um, I I had been listening to a podcast, a uh, more general FCS podcast, and they talked about JMU and, and North Dakota State and how they're great year after year because they actually have a program and that really no other FCS school has a program or, or like you say, a culture. And, um, and, 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 I mean, they were just kind of blunt about it, like really nobody has that. But but JMU and North Dakota State and I, and I thought to myself like is that is that really true like like first of all like what what does that mean what what is a program or or a culture and and uh, what would be the difference between putting just kind of putting a team together and and, and putting a culture together and then naturally the the following question is um, are we doing that is 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 Coach Choate doing that here at Montana State and so I, I don't know I was thinking about that. Um, and as I kind of thought about that, it's it's a little bit difficult for me to distinguish between, like, what does it mean to, like, kind of put together just, just a, a team versus, like, versus a program. And I think, like, what you said, culture kind of is a big part of it. I think that's a, that's a, 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 a point of what you, like, what you would, how you would differentiate just, just putting a team together versus culture. But I don't know, what, 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 do you, what would you guys think a program is? If you wanted to say like, like these guys have a program, but those guys don't really. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Oh, let's go first, Thorny. Well, it, it's kind of it is hard to define the difference between a program, um, team, and culture. I mean, it all starts the program being the one that everyone is striving for. I mean, everyone's got some kind of culture, I would imagine, whether it's what the coach wants or not. Um, you go back to the later part of the ash years i'm not i'm not exactly sure that's the culture ash wanted but that's kind of how it went um but a lot of people say that ash lost control of that team there so i'm just kind of digressing here but the point is like 
it's a culture kind of comes and a good coach puts that down himself, but a culture is going to come regardless. But a program is, I think you have to go above just the football team. You have to go all the way up the athletic department. You have to have a president and athletic director who have a vision, a shared vision for the entire football team as a whole and just where they fit on the national landscape what they're competing for is that conference championships national championships winning seasons i think that really it's a top-down process and i think that is where most programs are just you know in the general word of the program like montana state portland state um that's where it's hard to find that success especially at this level when maybe there's not the booster money you might get somewhere else, the the pressure from the community, that the money, that support. I think that's a good point there, Ryan, about like how a program can influence all levels of the culture and the team. Um, when Shane really was talking about this, that's the very first time I actually kind of thought about it. And my first thought was, was the podcast you're listening to, was it like a Missouri Valley conference-based podcast or I, I i think i i so i listened to a couple of them is fcs fans nation and hero mm-hmm. puts one out i don't remember which one it was but I, I think it was one of the ones that has representatives from multiple conferences sure. like i think eastern washington is one of the one of the people in it so when i was listening and i was kind of thinking about it honestly the first thing that came to mind was the very first question you talked about was team versus culture are you, are you fielding a team? And to me, like and a good example of that, and I, I might be wrong because I, I'm, we're obviously Bobcat fans. And so that's what we're in tune to. But I think of right now, Southern Utah, um, you know, it seemed like Southern Utah fielded a team last year or maybe the two years, you know, prior to that as well. Uh, in fact, Southern Utah has been good for a while, but they're kind of they're kind of missing right now. They didn't really reload, you know, like how how yeah. uh, other like you say programs can. They have that terminology, that gimmick saying we don't rebuild, we reload. So, mm-hmm. whereas like then I thought about like Jay um, Jay Hill down at Weber State, man, he's really building a culture down there of toughness and resiliency. No matter like who comes out to watch their games, like Weber is a legit team and they are hard out. They don't need the fans to necessarily um, bring the energy for them. They can win regardless. So um, those two examples stuck out in my mind. Yeah, I think that's a really good comparison. Um, I I think, I think especially at our level that, that we we can, I think we can all kind of see what Jay Hill is doing. Those of us that are paying close attention and we can tell that it's going to be, you know, they lost a game. They probably shouldn't have lost this weekend, but, um, but we, we can tell like they're, they're not just going to have a, a season like Southern Utah has had so far this year. Um, they're, you know, they, they're going to have a bad day here and there, but they're, they're not going to, you know, just totally tank for a season. But I, I wanted to look up a few numbers to just get an idea of like, what is, is this a difference? Is this a difference of quality or is it, or I, I should say, is it a difference of kind or is it a difference of degree? You know, and I think to, to a certain extent, you have to kind of just say like, everyone wants to establish a program that they can make successful. Um, of course, that's what they're going for because they, they, they don't really just want that near-term success. But I think a lot of people do settle for that 
taking maybe too many transfers or doing things that'll get you wins now versus establishing things that might be painful in the beginning, but in the long term yield dividends. Um, but I was looking at some numbers and I guess the, for, and these numbers come from the FBS because it's a little bit more difficult to, you know, people are more interested in that. But um, I guess the average tenure for a head coach in the FBS is 3.8 years. And uh, another number is of the 128 current FBS coaches, 77% of them have been at their school for fewer than six years. And so that means that the, the seniors that had a redshirt year of all of the FBS schools uh, had a different coach that, that recruited them. I thought that those numbers were striking. I, I think it's really difficult to imagine establishing something that's lasting when you have kind of a transient coaching culture. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts about well, that? Well, that made me think of a point when you're talking about that is um, the longevity of, a, of building a program that takes some time. And that's where you kind of goes back to the point I'd made earlier um, that you have to have a top-down administration that believes in your program and your vision and your culture. If they just sit there and they see year three, they might not settle for that incremental growth that you've been having, that the culture you've been instilling. If it's not producing results, 3.8 years, like you said, you're gone. So you have to have the full support from the athletic department if you're truly going to build a program, especially if you're coming in and kind of starting from scratch, kind of like, you know, Ash was in a lot of, or I'm sorry, uh, Choate was in a lot of ways because the end of the Ash era just ended in a thud, unfortunately. And it, it, and a complete different vision, Choate's vision of what the program would be is completely different. So I think that is definitely a part of his longevity. Um, and it's a double, doubly hard in the FCS because if you've, if you're really successful, a bigger and better fish is going to come and, you know, get you, snag you up. So it's even harder to keep, the good coaches at our level because they're just going to be gone and start off somewhere else and get paid 10 times more money. Kind of, yeah, that's a really good. To me, it kind of seems like a little bit of a catch 22. It seems like some of these perennial powerhouses are trying to hold on to like the vestiges of, um, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, you look at like Nebraska, you know, they're just <laughs> at, at places like Texas and, uh, people are just like floundering and just like, you know, like you said, have moved on from coach to coach to coach because they want, they're not once what they were. <laughs> so, well, they I mean, might not have the patience. Yeah, exactly. And so there, there it is. There's the, there's the catch right there. So you give them three years and they didn't pr produce the results fast enough. And so on to the next guy to, to regain that um, momentum they had so long ago. I mean, point in case the Grizzlies, you know, after Hulk left, they went through this whole, the whole thing until, <laughs> until now, it like came full circle. Right. So. Well, if you think about the, question. yeah, if you think about the best FCS programs that you can think of, um, most of them, like the historic programs like Appalachian state and even South Dakota state now and North Dakota state for a while, I don't, I, I can't speak to JMU cause I'm not as familiar with them, but I know at least a handful of those schools had the same, like the coach had been there for more than a decade. Like Jerry Moore, I think was the coach at App State. He was there for like 18 years before they went on their crazy four or three or four in a row titles there in the early 2000s. And I know uh, 
who was the coach at North Dakota State before the new guy? Was it Craig Craig Bull or is that the guy? At the yeah, now? Craig but, uh, Bull. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, he was there for years, years, and he took a job at Wyoming. And I mean, that Stiegelmeyer, I think, is the coach at South Dakota State. He's been there for like twenty some years. I mean, you can strike gold in the FCS, and typically, when you do, just that stability having the same coach typically yields winning results. Even, I mean, look at Jerome Sowers down at NAU. You you get the same thing pretty much every year and NAU is okay with that, but they're usually a good team. They usually have a winning record. Most time or they make the playoffs every few years and they usually just get smacked out in the playoffs real fast. And that's, that's, they're okay with that, but that's not a bad program. Like that's a, I don't know what his overall record is, but I'm pretty sure he's one of Fairmont more than he's lost. Just, he, he has the record for most wins in, well, the, that's... Conference, in the history of the conference. <laughs> yeah, if you coach in the Big Sky for 20 years, you're bound to have it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Ash, Ash yeah, would have so, got there so, eventually. He was pretty close, wasn't he? Wasn't Ash top five? I, I don't know. He, I don't know. There, there are a few people that had – yeah, so I, I should have said It's hard to find that. records in FCS for anything. It's hard to find Bobcat all-time records. <laughs> yeah. So I get so, that. So, Shane, what do you think, uh, giving the question, which has been a fantastic question, by the way, uh, what do you think oh, Chote is doing? Where are we at right now in your eyes? Yeah, yeah, and that's what I was, I was just going to say. Yeah, so, like, the, the next part of the question is, that, is he doing that here and. And I think your your point about um, about Jay Hill Weber State, it he really I think he really reflects Jay Hill in a lot of ways. I think the way he's building the program, the types of things that he wants the program to hang his hat on, things like extremely stout defense and a good running offense, um, and just toughness in general. I think all of those things are really similar to Jay Hill, and I and I think I think that. Coach Choate has the type of personality that can actually establish a top down, a top down type of culture. I think it's really difficult to just get everyone to kind of everyone kind of point in the same direction on something like culture because people have different personalities and there's just people are different, you know. Yeah. But when you have a guy like Choate, he he really he's good at explaining things, and he's he really sticks to his guns. And I think I think some of those things really lend themselves to a top down build like you need to have for something like a culture. And then as far as the, the program goes, I, it's, I, I think it's difficult to say without, without knowing, you know, more closely, but I, I do have a good feeling about where we'll be long-term, even if we do have, you know, you want in the, in their third year, you want to see some success, but even if we do have some kind of stumbles over the next couple of years, if we stick with him and give him the time, I think that he, I think he could have something really nice put together. Well, I can't disagree with that. I really like the direction Cho has come. Uh, it's a little frustrating with the offensive struggles he's had in all three years here, but overall, you have to like how the team competes, how the team plays, and just the mentality that we've had that we haven't had here since Kramer, I would guess. Yeah, Mike Kramer probably had similar similar traits as a coach. He was definitely a top-down kind of guy and had a toughness and a mentality to him so it's kind of that that just that style suits a montana football team because it, you can't throw the ball 40 50 times a game in the middle of a freezing cold november day so you 
the, the, the culture, the type of program he's trying to instill, I like where it's headed. And I, I think I was on the board talking about this the other day, maybe even on the uh, question uh, posted the similar one where I think I'm not going to lie. I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> <laughs> so someone's going to have to come and rescue me here. <laughs> well, Thorny, <laughs> Mid-sentence, that's how I do it. <laughs> uh, Thorny, I, I do think you can still pass it in November. Um, uh, but not an error rate yeah. attack, though. Not, I mean, you can, you can, and I'm not saying you can't, but if, <laughs> if it's up to you, would you rather be trying, if you had, would you rather have a successful running team and a hard no defense when it's zero degrees out or a team that's trying to complete slant routes all day long, throwing, throwing bombs. Yeah. When has it worked out in Montana? Like that's what Stitt did. That's kind of what Ash did and it worked out, but then it just, it all came to a thud in the playoffs. Well, uh, to go back on the point where Shane was talking on, uh, because I really don't have any more thoughts on, uh, Bob Stitt and all that stuff, but uh, of course, what, you know, where I think Montana state is right now is, they're a really young team uh, with, with how many young guys we were playing. I think there was a stat. What, what was it? We had like eight, I believe eight seniors right now that were playing or on our team, regardless, ridiculously young. Once those guys mm-hmm. get a taste for winning um, that I believe they're starting to get, you know, give, give Choate, you know, like I said, a good three more years. I think he deserves five to six at least to to run the the tail of the tape because if we bring in let's say I mean you see it on the board if we bring in some yeah, after a loss guys would be like oh calm for Choate next year calm for Choate's hit you know this this has this has to change this has to go he has to go this is ridiculous we bring in another coach next year let's say or the year after that where are we at <laughs> you know all that culture that we've yeah. started to build as Shane mentioned, the top-down toughness, the, you know, this, like you hear about pe- uh, the players just policing themselves now. The culture is policing itself. It's running itself, essentially. The thing they're doing is starting to generate its own momentum, and that's what you really want to build the program. It's basically going to recruit itself in the long run. And so I believe once if we can get our offensive um, identity, I, I don't know if I want to use that word, but our offensive strategies, whatever we want to call it, button down the way we want to. I think we have the defensive culture and identity to go with it. But I, I think that's all we're really missing right now. And eventually our young players are going to be those juniors and season or senior vets that it's just going to be, it's going to be fun to watch in the next couple of years, in my opinion. Thank you for finishing my point. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was the, Letting him have a few more years, even if he struggles. That's where I was trying to get to. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Any closing thoughts on that, guys? Uh, no, I don't think I have any. Okay, cool. This is a hell of a question. Nice job, man. Yeah, that was that was <laughs> that was an interesting discussion. It was really it was fun. Right on. Yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, uh, let's talk a little bit more um, before we let Shane go. Um, I don't know if I want to let you go. A couple questions. Been fantastic, man. Maybe have you on every week. See what happens. Um, <laughs> contributor. Arner, nice. contributor. All right. I'll give you a menu of options. Tell me you can pick from this. Uh, a three-part question. Or just choose one of them. 
either a bold prediction, the most surprising, or the most disappointing thing of the season? Oh man, I I hate my I, I hate to go with most disappointing, but <laughs> that's the one that's I think most relevant to specifically uh, this. But I, I'll I'll just I'll, I'll frame it this way. I genuinely, I, I I really deep down thought we were going to win that game against Eastern, and I know that sounds silly and and, and unreasonable, but. And I, I didn't going into it, but there was there was a, the week of the game, there was an interview with Coach Cho, and he just sounded so confident. And, and it was he was talking about how great Eastern Washington was, but he was enthusiastic about it. And I, I just interpreted that enthusiasm to be like, this is an exciting challenge, and I've got the answer for it. And so that then to have them come out and have the game go the way it did, you know, not just to lose, but to to really let it get away from you early and never really make it interesting. That was, that was really disappointing for me um, uh, this uh, last weekend. So that was my biggest disappointment. I hate to, I hate to focus on that one, but (laughs) I can, I can add a bold prediction if that uh, helps out a little bit. Well, no, I I like the answer because it's, it's pertinent to the most recent thing that happened. It's not some sort of general overall. It's like, wow, we should have won that game. And, I can't argue with that. Like I, I thought we had a pretty good chance going into it too. So that's, that's a good answer. I agree with that answer. What about you, Thorny? Most disappointing well, thing? Pick. You got the or bold get a prediction, pick. most surprising, or most disappointing. All right. Bold prediction. We beat Weber State on the road. Nice. I like it. What do you think about I that? I love it. You kind of you were uh, you're encroaching on my bold prediction because I was going to we out Jay Hill Jay Hill. I was going to say if we <laughs> if we beat Weber State and Idaho State on the road because we have a back to back road trip that's going to be tough. We beat that uh, if we're go two zero on that uh, trip we're playoff bound. Where did the Bengals come from? <laughs> it's like what the what the hell eight touchdown passes in a game? Yeah. Yeah, they cool. they just keep scoring more points every game. Like they were like 20, 56 and then sixty some. Like just just keep scoring more points. Yeah, that's. I don't think they'll be able to sustain that. But that's it's the best looking ISU team that has had in a while. So I'd be pretty happy if I was a Bengal fan right now. They, First time they've had any Bengal oh, fan. Oh, I can't. I can't. How <laughs> how could you drop down? You're like, all right, well, we're dropping down. We're at least going to be able to be a pretty damn good team off the bat. No, we're just going to get smoked by everybody. That's... All of the cellar dwellers. <laughs> Portland State, Idaho State. Jeez, guys. Well, they beat Portland State, but. Oh, that... oh no, that's right. Sorry, sorry. But that was uh, only like 20 to 7, though. It was a pretty hard, tough-nosed game that had a lot of things go the Vandals' way from what I understand. So <laughs> it's still. It's still. Oh, it's that, Davis. It's Although they're. Davis is good this year, uh, so I, I can't take too much away from that. But, you know, it's the one one of the ones you think of as like a cellar dweller. Yes. Yeah, definitely traditional. It's, it's always good to see teams have a good year. You don't want everyone yeah. – you don't you want to be the conference, you know, that has the same three or four terrible teams every year. You want some parity. Yeah. UC Davis is definitely a top three team in the big sky right now for sure. They're on, yeah. They're tough. I'm – I'm glad we don't have to play him. <laughs> yeah. 
That was going to be my bold prediction is that the Idaho State UC Davis game next week is going to go over 100 points. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm going to bet the over on that, yeah. Yeah, they'll, they'll cover. They'll hit 100. <laughs> yeah. All right, your turn, Ryan. Uh, well, let's see. I mean, we had a bold prediction, most disappointing. So I'll go with uh, most surprising. I would say it's a toss-up between um, Jacques Allen, his play, and kind of the role he's been fitting, or Sean Borges. Because, honestly, I can't remember if I heard about Sean Borges before, but that guy's um, getting some significant play in his stats. I was looking at a couple of them today. He's, he's had some tackles for losses and – He's, he seems to be everywhere. He's, his name is popping up all the time. So I, I don't know much about yeah. him, but uh, he's making a splash for himself for sure. Yeah, I love the way he plays. He's going to be working himself into some playing time. He's only a freshman, right? Well, he he's playing a lot. <laughs> I mean, he's out there quite a bit. He is. I'm, I'm just saying, like, he, he was he was in the Eastern game a lot in the like the, the dime package. But, I, you know, he's going to be pushing for a starting job next year. Yeah, he earned a – he might be a redshirt freshman because he earned a scholarship. I remember he was a guy that uh, earned a scholarship at the summer. Um, at the very end of the summer, they had that uh, the banquet right. at um, Cruzado's house. And so I remember that announcement. But the other thing. Yeah, it looks like he did. No, it's Sorry. okay. Um, Go ahead. I guess I, Jacque Allen just seems to be fitting in. And that's the biggest surprise for me, too, is – Typically, our like drop downs, you know, we've had a really, I don't know, kind of hit and miss with that, and more miss than hit. I feel like, and it seems like just like seems like a dude, you know, like he just gets it. So, I've been really impressed with him. Well, he had to sit out a year and like pay for some own classes, right? Like last yeah, year. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, so I mean, that's dedication. If a guy just loves fo- football that much, he just wants another chance to play one more time before he has to hang his cleats up and. Those are the kind of guys that have success that when they drop down. The guys that just want to play, realize they weren't going to get a play, not and felt like they were entitled to play, but just they want to play. They just need a chance to prove themselves, and those are the guys that succeed. Yeah, have you guys ever watched Last Chance U? I have not, actually. I've it, been it's wanting really to. It's really good. It, it's it's a, an extremely well-done documentary, but you can see it's it's just hard when you've played at the highest college level I mean, they were dropping much further, but I mean, you can imagine with these guys too, it's, there's a big difference between, you know, Virginia Tech and Montana State. And I think it's just hard to keep yourself mentally there and, and up. And he's done an unbelievable job of that. Well, you can even, he had a couple of quotes, I think, in the fall camp where he was like, yeah, that's, it's a little easier than it was at Virginia <laughs> Tech, you know. <laughs> it's not, it's not surprising. Like, I think Choate runs a pretty tight ship, but not like a team that's going to be the national 25 FBS conversation is going to run yeah for sure you can still have the same toughness though oh yeah definitely but i'm just talking about like workout drills and maybe like practices and time you have to put in the film room and all this stuff yeah. so i don't know that's that's just kind of my assumption and and jockway kind of alluded to that a couple times <laughs> can i sneak a bold prediction in there you may I I don't want to take it because I, I'll say it, but I'll say it with a caveat. Somebody mentioned it on the uh, Bobcat Nation today, and I had thought about it. But this goes back to uh, this bye week we just had. Um, 
Chilt was talking about, they run a practice where they let the freshmen play. They call it the, I think he calls it the candy bowl or something like that. Instead of like the super <laughs> yeah, bowl, it that's was called the candy bowl. And his quote was of something like, um, Casey Bowman can really sling it. Um, a bold prediction right there would be Casey Bowman getting some playing time before the end of this end of the end of the year. That's pretty bold. That's a bold one. And someone said that on the nation today, <laughs> and I didn't want to. Uh, I'm I'm going to. Shane Shane might know, but I I can't remember who said it. But I was like, ah, well, you know, I kind of I kind of agree with that. Yeah, I don't remember who said it. I saw that. So you're not gonna you're not gonna go for this weekend, but you'll say by the end of the year. Yeah, I say by the end of the year. Well, I, I I still I don't think we're gonna continue with this. Uh, this Troy Anderson. Oh gosh. I don't even want to get in that. I, pff, yeah, that's, whatever <laughs> on that. <laughs> we we go on that yeah. every single week. Well, and maybe we'll get that after this segment. But uh, let's cool the jets okay. on that. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's about all I had on my end. But uh, hey, Shane, man, that was awesome. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that was great. Thanks for coming on. All right, take we'll care, guys. All right. Well, that was our. First guest, Driscoll Cat. What do you think about that, Thorny? You know, it was a lot of fun, and I think he posed a great question. It was really fun to discuss, you know, something besides how the game went, maybe something besides X's and O's, and certainly um, something besides, you know, a whole entire segment devoted to Troy Anderson. So it was a, it was a nice, <laughs> nice change of pace. It was a good question. I'm glad we, uh, glad we had him on, and I want to thank him for his time. Yeah, Shane, Shane did a fantastic job in. And again, Shane took that on his own volition to kind of reach out to us. If you want to reach out to us, if you want to be a part of our um, CatCast that, that we're doing here, um, there's a couple of ways you could get a hold of us. One, we have a Twitter account, and I checked it today. Throwing, we have a whopping four follows, and two of them are you and me. So <laughs> there's two <laughs> other people out there <laughs> that we've duped into following the R&R CatCast. Nice. And um, – Doubled yeah, just, our viewership or our readership. <laughs> it's pretty sorry. Not going to lie. <laughs> but I think it's still awesome. We have a yeah. cool little logo. I like our logo. Uh, it took me like five minutes. So you be spot on though. Yeah. <laughs> it's spot on. Also, uh, you can also reach out to uh, Celtic cat or common cat, which is me on um, Bobcat nation and, just give it a private message and then we can coordinate from there. So again, thanks to Shane for volunteering his time in. And it was just a fun segment. But now let's move on to Idaho homecoming. Well, yeah, it's pretty, pretty fun homecoming opponent, I think. And it's kind of a apropos even for Idaho, because I think they have quite a bit of uh, guys on their, on their staff with Montana connections or even just directly from Montana. I was listening to a little bit of the press conference from Choate today, and, you know, he brings up a good point. They're going to be fired up. It's going to be homecoming for them too, um, especially Bobby Daly. Not even that long ago, he was playing on the field. He's coming back to here. So it's going to be pretty interesting dynamic. What do you what do you think about that? Yeah, I went and looked at their coaching staff. They got uh, Mike Bresky. They got two Bresky guys. Um, another Carroll College guy that I'm – I'm blanking on right now. Uh, the cornerbacks coach is Vernon Smith, I believe. I believe he was a Grizz cornerback. And so, yeah, they're going to have a lot of 
at least within the coaching staff, a lot to play for. So um, imagine they, they, they want to bring it for sure. And probably, you know, they're, they're know they're going to get a, a good crowd for a homecoming. And so and they're pl- probably going to play off that energy uh, and just look to, you know, upset our day. Well, I think last week is probably one of the more raucous clou- uh, crowds that they played in this year. I mean, they went down to Fresno state lost 13 to 79. That's brutal, but they were over at uh, Pocatello here last weekend and, that good crowd over there, as far as Idaho State crowds go, about eleven thousand. I don't know if it sold out. I had read that they were anticipating a sellout, um, but so there. That was the most hostile crowd they'll have faced yet. It'll be bigger in Bozeman, especially. But they got shellacked by Idaho State. Did you follow any of that last week, last or Saturday? I guess. Uh, tangently, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't like following updates. I saw. You know, highlights. It just seemed like you know Idaho State was just throwing it all over the field. You know, completing just. I mean, they're just slinging it everywhere. So it was just, yeah, they just throttled them. I, I, I was wondering though, like, do you think that's going to turn into their cat graze? Um, I don't know if they're going to see it that way. I actually had some time here at work today. I have the ability to listen to music or anything I want while I'm at work, and I was kind of listening to this uh, Idaho podcast. Um, I didn't have a recent one, but they had one last week kind of leading up to the Idaho State game. And it was pretty interesting, the comments that they had for Idaho State. They did not think much of Idaho State. They clearly considered them like a little brother. Um, They didn't think they were going to – they all thought they were going to win the game fairly handily. Uh, They kind of talked down the quarterback. They didn't think he was all that special. They thought he was – at best, he was maybe slightly better than the Mason Petrino, which is the quarterback that played most of the game, most of the games this year for Idaho. And it was pretty interesting. So uh, I don't know if they're going to consider a rivalry because I think Idaho is always going to be fixated on Boise State, whether even the different division. Maybe maybe they'll come around to seeing that there's more um, rivalries, natural rivalries for them here in the big sky. But I think Montana is going to be – probably who they consider the biggest rival, probably Idaho state number two in Eastern Washington, right up there as well. But yeah, uh, geographic, geographically, that makes sense. It is, it is interesting. It seems like Idaho is like the unwanted child. <laughs> I mean, I was doing a little, little bit of research. It looks like they've bounced around since being a charter member of the big sky in 1965. They've gone to five different conferences, including the Sunbelt Belt twice and, and being independent for a year after the WAC pretty much just dissolved in like 2012. So they're really getting no love from anybody. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see who they try to attach themselves to now that they're in the big sky. I know they have um, that, uh, that rival rivalry with the Grizzlies and they call that um, the little Brown Stein game. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I'm interested because they play, they play the Grizz uh, at home um, right before they go on the road to, you guessed it, Florida. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> to end the year. So that should be a fun game down in um, Moscow. So I don't know. I'm just kind of interested to see kind of where they find their niche. Yeah, that's going to be tough for them because most of them. It's if you go over that board. Uh, just be warned. <laughs> if you go 
over to their message board. <laughs> Most of them aren't happy they're even here. Um, the ones that are still on there are uh, – it's just – it's it's bad over there. I don't even know – they're not happy being here. They're like, well, if we're going to get blown out, we might as well be an FBS and be getting blown out. So they certainly haven't really found a home yet. I think if they would have had some more success right out of the gate, um, things might be a little bit better mood down there. But it's tough. They're, they've dropped down and they've only – kind of gotten kicked around so far by pretty much everybody except for Portland State. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, honestly, because I thought they would be more excited, you know, being more regional. In some belts, it's not regional for them, so I don't really understand that. I mean, 2016, they had like a 9-4 season over there, went to the Boise Potato Bowl or whatever they called down yeah. there, and they beat Colorado State in like an epic battle that was like had 110 – combined points or something yeah. like that. Um, but that's pretty much it. You know, they went last year had, I can't remember, it was 4-7 or, you know, a losing record regardless. And so I don't know why people are so upset. Uh, I've, I haven't visited their fan board, but I imagine it's just some old stalwarts trying to voice their opinions on, on that forum. Yeah, I mean, I, I do kind of want to talk a little bit about uh... – just what it means to have Idaho in the conference, like you were kind of talking about, such a good regional fit. Um, they're kind of they're a flagship university. They're a good um, academic institution. It's it's nice to have, uh, you know, a, a university of that prestige and whatnot in the conference. Besides, like no offense to the like the Southern Utahs or the Northern Colorados, but uh, you know, it's nice to have kind of more of, of, of a peer institution back in the in the conference. And of course that's not how they feel about it. And I'm not sure, you know, they're going to ever feel like that. I don't think they've felt equal. Like you said, anywhere they've gone, they followed Boise state up and never had the same success as Boise state. They, you know, they just had a hard time, but I think this is going to be the ultimate, the best fit for them. And I think it's going to be good for the big sky conference, assuming they can uh, get competitive. And I think they will. I think they're just having a little bit of a, a shock. Maybe they didn't quite anticipate how good, football actually is in the big sky. I think the big, I've always thought that the, maybe the top three conferences in the big sky or in the, in the FCS could easily compete with the bottom three in the FBS pretty equal across the board. So I think they're finding out that uh, football down here is not so bad. Pretty damn good. Really? Well, absolutely. Um, I, I would, I would assume it's a player thing. I, I believe, you know, like a, as we were talking with Driscoll Cat, you know, I think it might be a culture thing now. Like maybe they got their feelings hurt and they're just like, you know, some guys are just like, well, I don't know if I'm bought into this yet. I was, I was bought into playing the Sun Belt, but I don't know mm-hmm. about the big sky quite yet. And yeah, I might take them, you know, a little while to turn that ship around. Uh, I think what, what's, what concerns me as a cat fan is them coming in and, you know, having that chip on their shoulder, <laughs> uh, the coaches being like, like we said, like kind of a homecoming for them. It's could be really dangerous. Uh, they're employing a two quarterback system and Oh boy, you know, we've talked at length about that. Uh, I don't believe in a two quarterback system. That's <laughs> well documented on this cat cast. <laughs> um, one of them being the coach's son, Mason Petrino, who seems to be more kind of, the guy who's getting the most snaps, I think he has more, uh, he has a, he has a better running ability 
other guy, Colton Richardson, who seems to be more of a, the gunslinger. He came in for Matt Linehan last year, uh, a four-year starter for them, who had tremendous success for them. I guess if you could call that success, that I know. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so two different type of guys, a, a passer and then more of a complete quarterback in Petrino. Well, it's interesting. I was kind of uh, listening to that podcast and uh, maybe reading the message board and I guess Richardson, that was his fourth game. So there are some people calling for him to be redshirted. So that blows by his redshirt. So I assume we'll see Richardson. I wouldn't be surprised to see Richardson start. Um, uh, the cats have been hurt a little bit by the passing game. So, but we've also been hurt more by a mobile quarterback. So I guess if you're Petrino, you probably start Petrino uh, against the cats, but uh, <laughs> certainly, certainly give him a go around and uh, see how he performs. And maybe you can always bring in Richardson if, Petrino falls flat. Um, it'll be interesting to see who they come out with because, yeah, mobile quarterbacks have always kind of given the Cats a little bit of fits. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't feel like our defense is going to be the problem in this game. Uh, it's going to be the, – the big question for me is, like, what are we going to be doing offensively? And, I, I, you know, probably going to roll out Troy Anderson. Um you know, Choate said on his presser today, every day he's looking more like a, more like a quarterback. Excuse me if I don't sound enthused <laughs> behind his microphone. Uh, but, you know, I hope he does. I hope he's, um, you know, dissecting those coverages a little easier. I hope, you know, as they say, the game is slowing down for him. But until we figure that out, uh, I'm, I'm really not holding my breath for much offensive proto- pro- product. Yeah. Productivity. Yeah, that's that word um, from the cats. I mean, Miller lights if you head. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a couple things here that matchups that kind of give me pause here. I mean, I I don't want to dismiss Idaho because I think they're a talented football team and they could easily come into Bozeman and, and whip us. So all this talk about the program kind of in shambles, maybe having a hard time finding their footing, getting blown out. There's, they still got plenty of talent on their team. And, and, and they, if they can figure it out, they're going to be a hard team to beat. Uh, one thing that does concern me, um, they are a negative 11 and their turnover margin, which is pretty terrible. They've only forced – oh, I can't remember. They've only gained – oh, yeah, they've only forced one turnover all year. Can you believe that? I, Isn't yeah, that like one of the worst actually, stats you've ever heard? <laughs> well, like, I like mean, it, yeah, I mean it sounds a little bit like our uh, – their defense, you know, not too long ago, but well, go, go ahead. <laughs> the next part was uh, the Bobcats are second worst at four. But uh, <laughs> what concerns me is in the game is, you know, their negative 11 turnover. That's one of the biggest reasons they've had um, a really hard time. They, had, I think they had four against Fresno State. I don't know what they were against Idaho State. Um, I can't remember. Let's see. I got the stats right here. Do you know if they're fumbles or like uh, interceptions? You mean their their turnovers? I think a lot of them are interceptions. Oh, okay. Um, but what it com- what I'm trying to say is like that's really what's kind of shot themselves in the foot, and mm-hmm. the cats are almost equally bad at getting the ball back. So if we don't succeed in creating the fruit turnovers, I think Idaho has a much better chance of staying in this game than they would in a game where they turn the ball over two or three times right out of the gate get steamrolled and the game's over by halftime, I think Idaho Idaho has a good chance of sticking around if we can't create some turnovers. 
Yeah, I don't see the cats. I don't see this as a blowout game. No, not at all. So, nope. Uh, but one thing that is in our favor is they're pretty much uh, second or third to last in red zone defense, and we are first in the red zone offense. So that bodes well, right there. If we can get down the red zone, because as Choate repeatedly says, like it's, the game nowadays is about who can stop each other inside the twenties, because anyone can move the ball between the twenties. It's once get in the red zone, the situational defense, red zone defense. And we've excelled in the red zone offense this year, and they've been really bad in red zone defense. So I think that's a big advantage for us. Absolutely. I would like to see, I mean, ideally, I'd love to see, you know, going in the fourth quarter with maybe a two touchdown lead. Oh, that'd be refreshing. It would. <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's almost like that we drag the team in the fourth quarter when we don't necessarily need to be getting them in deep water. We could have just had it over with in the third quarter, but yeah. it's almost like we want to <laughs> make things harder on ourselves than we, we necessarily need them to be. But, uh, all right. Thorny, uh, before we wrap this up, uh, just looking ahead, uh, quickly, uh, the second half of the season. Well, let's real quick. Do you have, do you want to wager a score prediction? Ooh. Are you willing to do that here on this podcast? Um, I typically stay away from score predictions just, um, again, based off of, uh, superstitions. That I hold. <laughs> Fair enough. How about a WL? I do think we win this game. Okay. Okay. I do think we do too. I don't think it's going to be as easy as some might think, but I think the cats do win by two scores. That, I'd, that's be, a, I'd, I'd be pleasantly happy if we could win by two scores. That might be eight or nine points, but that's that's two. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's my little prediction. I'm not going to get into the scores yet. I don't like to do that necessarily, but uh, go back to your point here. I uh, just wanted to interject real quick. Yeah, I just wanted to jump ahead. So after homecoming this week, we, we go on the road two weeks in a row, Weber, Idaho State, uh, and then we come back home for two games against Cal Poly Northern Colorado and finish up uh, against that second-rate university across the hill. Uh, we got a tough road trip in two weeks. So it, that's I think that's going to be the tail of the tape. If we can go 2-0 and um, in Weber through Idaho State, I believe we're playoff bound. Even if we go 1-1 um, and, one and one there, I think we have a legitimate shot as long as we win this weekend. Yeah, I mean, this next three-game stretch here, Winning two is pretty much where we need to be. Um, it's kind of funny if you looked at the schedule even two weeks ago, three weeks ago, you would think that Idaho State might be the easier of the two Idaho games. But here we are flip-flopped thinking, all right, Idaho at home is probably an easier contest than going down to Idaho State. And uh, Idaho State's been playing well. It's hard to say how much of that is real, but uh, – I think Idaho, we have a good chance of winning. Weber State, I made my bold prediction last, uh, or I guess with Driscoll Cat there, that we are going to go down to Weber and win. So Idaho State might be might be where we have the hardest time. I don't know. I just feel good about the Weber State game for some reason. I think we might match up well with them. Idaho State, they're going to air it all over the place. It's going to be a little bit harder for us to defend. So, yeah, I think 2-1 yeah. and one out of that stretch. And then Cal Poly and Northern Colorado are both certainly winnable games at home. Leading up to that showdown with the Harvard of the West or whatever they call themselves. 
Don't even dignify him with that. <laughs> Self, <laughs> self-titled Harvard. You could call him the pinkies. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we, we have a good shot here to only lose – one more game going into Cat Grizz. I don't. I don't like to talk too much about the future and think about how the team's going to perform because there's a game right here in front of us. But I, I the rest of our skate schedule works out where I think we have a good chance of being right on the cusp of a playoff spot. Yeah, I agree. Do you think uh, we come out in any kind of special uniforms this weekend? I wouldn't mind seeing us do a nice throwback. Who doesn't like the 84 throwbacks? But uh, I don't know. It may not might be a special occasion enough for that kind of stuff. But uh, I don't know. I would I'd imagine we might do the old all gold business. Yeah. I'm always crossing my fingers. I love those 84 throwbacks as well, especially just like the, the classic yellow, the hel- helmet, helmet with the blue, the blue script on there. That just <laughs> so classic. Yep. It's just. Yeah. It's a nice we, sharp look. Yeah, when we wore those back in 2015, when we played UND, I was, I was in heaven. I'm a big uniform guy, so I've been lobbying for those to come back ever since. Yeah, I, I mean, if those came in once a year, I'd be happy. That those are those are sweet. Right on, man. Well, I think we should wrap this thing up, Thorny. Yeah, just a bit of a shorter one here. We didn't have any sort of game to review, uh, so we got the nice little segment with Driscoll cat, a little bit of a preview here. And I think, I mean, what else is there to say? Go cats. I think we come out with the victory and I think we got this. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to give any predictions uh, based on my uh, superstitions, but uh, very important. <laughs> I guess it is a prediction going with the win. Um, you can rescind it. It's not too late. No, I'm going to go with the win. I'm looking forward already to the Weaver because it reminds me of one of my favorite plays as a fan watching Jody Owens stuff a one yard. Mm-hmm. Um, remember that touchdown, Matt yep. Varian, to seal that game. That's, we'll talk about that next week, though. Sounds right. good, yeah. That's a good segment to say for next week. <laughs> right on, buddy. Oh, it's been fun. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right.